Welcome to this week's edition of the St. Paul Podcast. I'm Peter Marty, Senior Pastor of St. Paul Lutheran Church, located in the heart of Davenport, Iowa. Right here each week, you can hear a message to inspire your walk with God and hear beautiful music to fill your life. Let this podcast be your occasion to contemplate some of the deepest things in life, just as I hope it helps faith come alive for you. Pastor Sarah Olson-Smith. It's a joy to be with you on the podcast today. This week, with Christians around the world, we are celebrating the Festival of the Transfiguration, this event in Jesus' life when he went up on a mountain and was transfigured. It's not a word we use much these days, but Jesus was changed, transformed. His whole appearance became different. Jesus and his friends who were with him were up on that mountain just before things got really hard for them. As they started this journey toward the cross, 
to Jesus' death and resurrection. We, too, are about to embark on our own journey to the cross during the season of Lent, a time set apart, these weeks before Easter. Lent is this season, these weeks marked by prayer and worship, fasting and acts of love. So as we prepare for Lent, we tell the story of the transfiguration of Jesus, his glorious, radiant power and love. It's a good reminder for us of who Jesus is as we step into this season of Lent. So hear now these words from the 17th chapter of the Gospel according to Matthew. As you listen, pay attention to those words that describe the transformation of Jesus and the ways he remains still Jesus. Hear now these words from Matthew. Six days later, Jesus took with him Peter and James and his brother John and led them up a high mountain by themselves. And Jesus was transfigured before them, and his light shone like the sun, and his clothes became bright as light. Suddenly there appeared to them Moses and Elijah talking to Jesus. And then Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If you wish, I will set up three tents here, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. While Peter was still speaking, suddenly a bright cloud overshadowed them, and a voice from the cloud said, This is my Son, the Beloved. With him I am well pleased. Listen to him. When the disciples heard this, they fell to the ground and were overcome by fear. But Jesus came and touched them, saying, Get up and do not be afraid. And then they raised their eyes, and they saw no one except Jesus himself alone. As they were coming down the mountain, Jesus ordered them, Tell no one about the vision until after the Son of Man has been raised from the dead. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Listen now to more thoughts on the Transfiguration. Earlier this week, confirmation, I was talking with one of our confirmation sponsors, who's a middle school teacher, and she talked about how surprised her students get when they run into her here at church or outside of school. They can't seem to make sense of her being outside of her normal context. The fact that she's at the grocery store or here or church and not just their classroom is sort of mind-boggling to them. Perhaps you've had your own experience like this. I remember running into my own second grade teacher at the grocery store and seeing Miss Richards there with her metal grocery cart made me realize that she had this whole life outside of Mark, Mark Hopkins Elementary School, <laughs> was more than just my teacher, that there was something more to her than just what I saw, that she'd actually have to get something to eat. <laughs> it totally blew my mind. This same sort of thing happened maybe 10,000 times beyond with Jesus and his friends on that mountain so long ago. He was their teacher and their friend. They'd spent every waking hour together, and 
They'd watched him heal and teach and tell stories. I imagine they'd take these long walks and tell jokes and catch up on life. And they'd shared so many meals. They'd have known how Jesus chewed. (laughs) And now, 2,000 years later, we know this whole story of Jesus, uh, his death and resurrection. We forget that before all of that happened, Jesus and his friends were just living their lives. To them, in many ways, he was just a great teacher. Amazing to be sure, but a great human teacher. But on that day on the mountain, they realized there was a whole lot more to him than they had known. Mountains are an important thing in the Bible. People meet God on mountains. Moses, the man who God used to help bring God's people out of slavery in Egypt, Moses went up on the mountain and he received the Ten Commandments, spent time with God until he too was glowing. Elijah, the prophet, experienced God on a mountain too, not in powerful thunder or in a whirlwind, but instead in this still, small voice. So perhaps Jesus and his friends knew something would happen up there on the mountain, but even they could not have imagined what did. There on that mountain, Jesus began to glow. He was transfigured, changed, became so very bright, radiant. And he wasn't alone. Moses and Elijah, the greatest prophets of all time, were there with him. These total heroes of faith, holy men, talking with Jesus. It was so wonderful that Peter wanted to build houses and stay there. But as as Peter was talking, they were enveloped in a cloud. And a voice interrupted Peter and said, This is my son, the beloved. Listen to him. This whole thing was a lot to take in, and so they fell to the ground, terrified and amazed. They were overcome with fear. Because in many ways, fear is the only way to respond when your sentence is interrupted by the voice of God. And quite frankly, how else were they supposed to feel when they saw this side of Jesus that was so divine, so otherworldly? There, in dazzling light, in the fullness of this bright radiance, the disciples saw their friend with whom they'd laughed and cried and walked and talked and argued. But he was so much more than they ever thought. He was divine, the Son of God. God, in the fullness of his glory and strength and beauty, was there with them the same one who had been with them all along, but altogether different at the same time. In many ways, Jesus was sort of out of context, but seeing him on that mountain made them realize how much more there was to Jesus than they'd ever thought. They saw how different, separate Jesus was from them, mere mortals. This holy one who talked to Moses and Elijah centuries old, he was in this, this whole other class, way beyond them, holy. And they fell down in fear, in awe. But then 
Jesus says, does something totally surprising. Jesus walks over to his frightened friends and he touches them. He says, get up, do not be afraid. He touches them. It's like he's saying to them, it's me, me, the son of God, still glorious, and yet it's still me. On this day, this feast of the transfiguration, we celebrate the glory and the power of Jesus, this one who is bright and radiant, dazzling, divine, heavenly. Jesus is the Son of God, and Jesus carries in his being the fullness of God's goodness and strength. So awesome and amazing. And yet, while seeming so very other, so very distantly God, we read that Jesus moves to his disciples. He touches them. Jesus touches them, glowing with a hand with human skin and blood that pulsed through those loving fingerprints with his own unique fingerprint. All in the same moment, Jesus is sparkling with full divine glory and still present with skin on. God made human. In many ways, he should be really out of place here on earth. And at the same time, he could not belong here more. On that mountaintop, we get a glimpse again of God. We yet again see God. But it's not just a story about kind of the awe and wonder and divine glory of God. We also see Jesus so close. We have this God who is not far away but decides to package all of God's beauty and glory into a human body, human and divine. Sparkle and sweat, this total light and dirt under his fingernails. Radiance and muscle, a face shining like the sun, but traces of tears all at the same time. We Christians find ourselves often on this various spectrum of understanding Jesus, human and divine. Many simply say Jesus was this really good man, a great teacher, a wonderful moral mentor for us. And others land on this other side of the spectrum with Jesus enthroned in heaven, high and holy and divine this powerful God who judges with mercy, draws the whole world to himself. And today we get this picture that neither of those extremes carry the full picture. Both deny the fullness of Jesus. At the heart of our faith, we get the fullness of God's radiant love with human skin. Jesus is God right here. And we see that power and glory most on the cross. We are reminded that there is no place out of context for Jesus. The mercy and the love of Jesus is just as much at home in a hospice room as in the heavenly courts. He belongs as much in a grocery store aisle as up on that mountain. So much 
uh, present at that table, those tables where we serve our so all may eat meal for people without homes as around any communion table. The light and the glory of God is not reserved just for mountaintops, but instead Jesus carries that glorious light into this world, into our sorrows and despairs and heartbreaks, breaks into our lives, shining light and goodness, even into our most frightening moments, bringing light and mercy into hospital rooms when the worst news is shared into kitchens where food is rationed so at least the kids can have breakfast, into a home where that once was bustling but suddenly feels so alone. It's good for us to remember this as we gather here on this Sunday morning and other ones during our own sort of weekly trip to the mountain to see God. We're here to experience and encounter Jesus in the glory of this place, here at this table for the holy meal, with this magnificent music we get to hear every week and participate in, in the divine company of one another, or maybe in just the delight of a laughter over with a really good donut. We too could easily think that our faith is only for this mountaintop place, confined into this glorious location. Places like this, surrounded by stained glass, we think are the, the, this is the context for our faith. But the truth is, those words for the disciples are words for us too. He said to them, rise up, do not be afraid. Our faith reminds us that God's glorious light and love are breaking into every corner of our lives, and we can go out ready to notice that in the world, to see it and acknowledge the sparkles we see in the most unlikely people, the most surprising places. And we get to carry the glory and the goodness we have come to know here at church into the world, to bring that sparkling mercy into our homes, to our workplaces, to our neighborhoods. So let's rise up and not be afraid. Let's reach out and be God's love with skin on in the world. And we can go with renewed courage, knowing that there is no place out of context for Jesus. Amen.
Now we turn to God in prayer, saying those words Jesus taught us in the Lord's Prayer. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, as we forgive those who sin against us. Save us from the time of trial, and deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Amen. And now, a blessing for you. As Jesus said, get up and do not be afraid. Our Lord Jesus Christ, both divine and human, radiant and muscle, brilliance and tears, mystery and companion, this one is with us always to give us courage and hope. The blessing of Almighty God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit be upon you and remain with you always. Amen. I hope you've enjoyed this podcast, and thanks for your support of the ministries of St. Paul Lutheran Church. Our commitment to projects that lend hope to other people stretches across the country and around the world. We hope that in a good way you feel a part of that reach. Tune in next Thursday for another edition of the St. Paul Podcast.